This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a look at modern and classic horror films from an expert and a newbie's perspective. I'm the newbie Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And we're a little late this week, Rob. Yeah. I gotta apologize to the people. It's uh it's been a big snafu over here. Uh we had lost the audio for the original cut of this episode that we've had to now re-record uh, late on a Tuesday evening for you yeah. all. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Sorry for the inconvenience, and uh, we're right back to it now. So, Rob, let's get right into it. This yeah. week, we're looking at an American werewolf in London. <laughs> the classic John Landis movie. Yeah, Let's get this, into it. this is an interesting one. So this was done in 1981, um, and it's it's a horror comedy written and directed by John Landis of Animal House fame. So you know, Hollywood he's coming, legend John Landis. Yeah, and he's coming off of films like you know a film like that. So this is definitely different, um, a much much different film and a different type of comedy horror, I guess. Um, I would say it's an early horror comedy, uh, but yeah, you uh, a pivotal one you you might say right uh, because and, and of because of the actual acclaim that this has gotten uh, throughout the years. It's like it's groundbreaking. Well, exactly. And this movie, you know, this movie kind of reminds me of a, of a film like Ghostbusters, right? Um, it it isn't meant to be a comedy. Like I I personally don't think Ghostbusters is a comedy. I think it's more of a of a horror film or of a of a it's a, it's a mix of different stuff, but it has kind of a serious tone to it. So it's like a drama about these guys that are trying to get through their, you know, deal with uh, having a ghost hunting type thing. But in this one, it's it's like these guys who are on a backpacking trip through Europe. And um, it's just an interesting... They're different from what you would expect your stereotypical type uh, of film to be now. You know what I mean? Well, see, here's my thing. I... Upon seeing this movie, I I didn't really quite know what to expect tonally, and what I got was a lot of unexpected tonal shifts. Uh, for like, it almost didn't reflect the movie, the story that it was trying to tell, in a weird way. I I couldn't quite wrap my head around how I'm supposed to feel in some certain situations because uh, at at the cornerstone of this, at the beginning of this movie, we have two best friends. Uh, that are backpacking through Europe, being jovial, having a great time. And, you know, they're joking. They're having fun. They're walking through the moors of uh, rural England, which, uh, weirdly enough, that's where they start their trip. Yeah, that's a weird, <laughs> a weird place way. to start a trip. You don't think, man, I'm going to start in the moors of, of, like, rural England. You would think, hey, man. You start in the big city. Or I'm going to start in, in London or, or something like that. And I and they say that I guess they're going to get to London eventually. Um but it is a very strange place to start a trip. And while they're going, you know, they, they decide that they're going to try and stop at an inn or get some food and some sleep. And they end up going to this super, super creepy inn. Um, 
It's called the slaughtered lamb. Yeah, the slaughtered lamb. Which, weirdly enough, does sound quintessentially British while also being very creepy. Yeah, well, actually, it's not a, it's not an inn. It's a pub. Yeah, because I don't think they had uh, any place to sleep there. But yeah, they go there. They want to get something to eat and to drink, and they don't have anything to eat. But you know, they've got booze there. But the whole vibe of the people in there, the whole like townsfolk that you get to see. It's so interesting. Like, there's so there's so much history that they just come into. So you can definitely see that American vibe coming into this very historic uh, uh, small town in Yorkshire vibe. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a wonderful uh, type of mood that the beginning of this movie sets in. Because we have so many colorful characters in this pub. Like, almost the cartoonish caricature of what you think a British person would look like basically a lot of wool and not good teeth and facial hair sort of and uh, beer is basically what you see all amongst this tavern and uh, it's it's the it's probably the most uh, hilarious scene right in the movie because uh, we get so many of these fun interactions where like you don't don't we don't drink beer do you have any food no we don't have food you have tea? Okay, well, we don't drink tea, but we got tea. All right. Well, like, th- like those sort of weird interactions. That, like, that's the most, like, innocuous, inoffensive thing for them to do. Uh, and they're <laughs> we get into this very, like, off-color, you could say, joke about, like, uh, an Englishman, an American, and a Mexican are all on a plane about, like, remembering the Alamo and stuff like that. And it's a it's a hit of a joke in the pub. And then, out of nowhere, as the laughter dies down, perfectly timed, uh, our friend goes, Hey, what's that? And then it, it's a cutaway <laughs> to, like, a pentagram, like, drawn in what appears to be blood, like, and dripping old candles, uh, just whisking away on... The, the, like just the most evil looking thing and just like the very hey what's that uh yeah and then wonderful. they, and they then just, freak uh, out so quickly they're just like yeah you gotta get go out now you, so, you gotta get out of here and and like the barmaid's like no no like you guys we can't let them go out there and they're like oh, okay cool yeah stay on the road don't go into the moors stay on the road that's that's their advice to them um which I guess is sending them to their death because, you know, a few seconds later we hear the wolf howls and then she's like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? And they're like, no, I don't hear anything. But you see the guilt on their face. You see it rot not, all not over there. Not until it's very too late. Yeah, uh, well, no, no, it, it's, way too, yeah, it's way too late. Like they could have gone after him right away, but they wait. And, and it was definitely some time before they are eventually... Uh, eventually decide to, you know, maybe see if they're if they're going to be okay. Uh, yeah, which again, way too little, way too late. Uh, but I, I I think this is this is getting into sort of the great technical aspect of this movie when we have this reveal of uh, not even the reveal, but like the uh, the first real scene with a werewolf where it does this very clever thing where they're obviously walking in the moors because they're not supposed to, but they don't care. Well, they go right, they, they're, they're first, they're walking on the road and then they just veer off without even thinking about it. And they don't even realize that they've gone off into the, into the moors at this point. And they're just kind of walking through there and then they hear the howl as well. And yeah, it is this brilliant moment of just, of this just kind of like playing with the playing with like the darkness 
you know, and the whole space well, and, around and, and there. And it's also, it's also they're they're doing this great thing where they don't show it, but but they're describing it off camera and they're doing clever ways of looking just off frame, into and so you can imagine what they're looking at. And there's a great camera move that it does where. Uh, the the camera pivots right into the eye line of the actors and they're like they're they're looking into camera and they're describing what they're looking at it like pointing at the audience and the second that it moves and they start to run away the camera doesn't cut away it mo- it follows with them uh, as if like you are the werewolf kind of a thing it's very very clever incredibly well done great use of tension great use of not showing your hand as it were, as a horror movie. Yeah, and then we get that really, um, you know, our first reveal of the wolf going and attacking, and it attacks uh, Jack, who is played by Griffin Dunn, and just eviscerates him. And and so what does what does David do? And that's played by um, David Dalton. He he just books it, man. He just runs the other way. He's like, yeah, I know my yeah, friend's in trouble, but I really, I'm just gonna run. And then big, once he's way too far move. away, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And once he's way too far away, he finally is like, oh, yeah, my buddy. And at first I thought, okay, maybe, but no. Like, he he looked at him in the face when he got yeah. attacked and Ran knew away. he was getting attacked and then was like, peace, I'm out. Um, but then decides to go back and help his buddy, who's not, who's been shredded to pieces. Uh, he is... He is definitely just torn apart and then david gets attacked and gets uh scratched across the face and then now you know our our group uh from the pub finally shows up and you know all with their all with their guns and blasts the werewolf who when david you know opens his eyes and comes to sees that it is just an old dude yeah it's very a bit of an odd cut because you're not you weren't like 100 percent sure what you were looking at it's a great cut, uh, though, man. It's it's a, it's a very good cut. It's yeah. jarring. I yeah. Uh, I, but I thought it, that but was it a feels gr- right. Well, I thought it was a great moment because we don't have to watch this reverse transformation going back into into the human. You know, a lot of films later on, because this film is, is known for having some of the best special effects in film history. Uh, I know that during the inaugural Academy Award for Best Makeup back in '81, it ended up winning. So Rick Baker won the first makeup special effects uh, Academy Award, which is awesome mm-hmm. um, for a horror movie, no less. It was, like, it was and groundbreaking, that's, and that's yeah, that in itself is, is unprecedented, huge. Um, and it was also you know, uh, yeah, it was just a it was a very big moment for special effects. Now, other movies wanted to kind of start doing other other transformations as well, and this does probably it is definitely the best werewolf transformation in cinema absolutely we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a moment and we, but we, I, we, again yeah so I, I would i would like to I, I would be remiss if we didn't actually start to mention uh these uh like the actual plot of the movie kicking off and uh kind of the first like tonal imbalance that i could say oh it's a major to to, it's a me. it's a major tonal imbalance it's not the it's it's probably the biggest tonal imbalance of the entire film um so david wakes up in the hospital three weeks later and doesn't remember what happened he gets interviewed um and they're like hey you were attacked by an escaped lunatic and he was like no i wasn't i was attacked by like some animal like a dog or a wolf or something um and they just they just don't believe him at all 
and then, you know, he meets this nurse who's there, who's taking care of him, and he's totally all about her, like, immediately, is, you know, trying to hit on this girl. And But they tell him, hey, man, your buddy's dead. And at first, he's he's kind of like, wait, no, that can't, wait, what? No, what do you mean? He's he's dead. But then when he meets this nurse, he kind of forgets that his buddy just got like hacked up into bits. Uh, horrifically. Like really, he sees the dead yeah, body. Yeah, and he just doesn't it just seems like either shock has kicked in or he just I, I don't know. Like maybe it it's, is it's because a he's of things because I I'm like cuz the scene goes on and it's kind of just he, like almost him messing around in the in the hospital having these very weird dreams oh uh, yeah which so which many go weird nearly dreams. unexplained so we we get to like he has dream sequences of like nazi werewolves coming in gunning down his family yep and like slitting his throat uh not really a callback to anything no uh, it was just it was it was such a strange thing cuz it's like the nazis make him watch it and then they slit his throat and that's one of them and then another one is like this really awesome makeup effect that makes him kind of look like a vampire uh, where right. it just cuts to his face. And that's I know that still is used a lot um, in in a lot of horror stuff and like memorabilia. And you see it a lot. It's a very iconic image. But it's but, one but like it means nothing. shot it, that means yeah. nothing in this film except it's a cool visual that they threw in. Uh, and maybe it has more meaning to it, but it, it's I know it deals with him trying to figure out what's going on with himself. Because, you know, in one of these dreams, he sees himself basically as a wolf because it's that POV and that hunkered down, like running through a forest. Later, he has a dream that it's him running through the forest. And then later on, a dream of him running through the forest and um, attacking and eating a deer. So there's a lot that, that's going on with, with him changing. Now, Maybe some of his reactions on how he he is is because he's been he's been like out for three weeks, right? So the cycle is is just about to come. He's got about a week before he would turn into a werewolf at the next full moon. Maybe you know he's just going through weird you know stages of like what it would be like before you turn into an animal because we don't really know they you know we the first three weeks have gone by and he's been asleep so we don't really know what the effects after you get bitten by a werewolf in this universe would have on you and, and the main crux of like why we like why we're here at the hospital is because we we have visions of his now dead friend oh um, yeah amazing amazing effect uh of his just mauled body his mauled upper torso I just don't, and like I don't know how face. they got this past the censors back in back in 81 I mean it is really when you have the little pieces of flesh hanging off from his neck and he's his just his neck is like shredded to ribbons you can like kind of see it make out an esophagus of some kind oh no you can fully it's, see the windpipe it's it's fully there and then you have underneath his cheek it's slit but you can see every muscle fiber and some of those are torn as well and it's, it's very 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 intricately detailed yeah it's very 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 good uh but he he's impeding or like he he's beseeching his friend uh that he is uh like a lost soul he is undead and you need to kill yourself, not only for my sake, so that I can find my eternal rest, but so that you don't kill anyone when you eventually turn into a werewolf. Now, that's th those are big stakes right there. Uh, and 
it's dealt with in what I can only describe as like the most like jovial type of casual way. Very uh, casual conversation. Very, yeah, and very like, just j- kind of like they're hey, buddy, about they're talking so... about Shakespeare and all that stuff. Like it's it's yeah. not, it doesn't really make that much sense tonally for what the subject matter is that we're talking about here. Like I I'm very I'm very of the mindset that like it takes me out of the movie when or it, it, it lessens, it cheapens what should be happening when you're not carrying it with even a little bit of weight. Because I feel like a typical horror movie would be like, this is the call to action here. This is where uh, he starts to feel guilt about letting his friend die. Where, uh, you know, he may be going crazy because he's been consumed with the guilt or maybe he is like actually hallucinating because he's becoming a werewolf or something like that. But the movie just shrugs it off. They shrug off both... The hey, call to action I mean, maybe that's maybe that's part of the horror comedy part, you know? That's possibly that's the, uh, it, it, it just, the weird it seems, comedy. It seems off, but anyway, it, it, it does. I mean, it, it does seem a little bit off. I do like the fact that it is this kind of matter of fact conversation between the two, um, where it is kind of just friendly banter in a very strange way. Um, and then you know, afterwards, there's there's more of a he's more upset that he's being told that he has to kill himself than anything. Um, and he's kind of freaking out about that and he gets comforted by Alex. Uh, and then, you know, the doctor doesn't believe him, um, and thinks that he's just hallucinating and everything. But the doctor decides to go to, um, go off to the slaughtered lamb. And, oh yeah. Once, once he finally is able to talk to the dart player from earlier, he finds out that yeah, there's there's more to it than than meets the eye. So absolutely, and then and, we have uh, so we have him basically uh, hold up in London, like hooking up with shacking up with the nurse. Yeah, because uh, she's starting she, starting a non uh, very uh, a, a non consequential an inconsequential love story uh, that doesn't really uh, mean anything to the movie. No, but uh, I think I'll it's say. it feels like it's there just because. You know, this movie has, you know, all of the, the basic uh, 1930s, you know, the, those early uh, universal monster horror tropes and into the 40s when you get to the Wolfman and everything. Um, you know, you have your your heroine and that's who she is in this. Um, and I, I feel, you know, it's, it's some of these basic characters that you end up getting in this that you would get in that type of film, which I feel like that's what it pays homage to more than anything. Because uh, you have your, you know, your detective type character, and then you have your protagonist who's going through the transformation. You have that love interest that keeps, you know, it humanizes him to a point, so he's not fully going off the deep end. You actually empathize with him a little more. I mean, these are actually basic tropes for almost any film, but specifically, I feel like they are are channeling into what was done in in the early Wolfman films. Right, and it it it, it translates all right for the most part. But again, it's. Uh, I feel like we're kind of gliding along for this point, uh, aside from these effects, because we're we're clearly building towards something, uh, but it doesn't see, seem to have a direction until maybe the halfway point, because we're also besieged again a second time by a more like rotting and grotesque version of his friend, because like he he is his body is decaying or like his spirit is decaying. <laughs> 
uh, in this more uh, thriller-esque type makeup, which, again, uh, this same makeup artist and special effects artist used in John Landis' thriller video for Michael Jackson, and you can clearly see why, like, precursors of thriller in this movie. Oh, yeah, and I mean, the the, the work is, obviously, it's Oscar-worthy. Um, but, you know, watching the, the, seeing him different and the decaying flesh and seeing that he, he changes very quickly and, and is falling apart at a rapid, rapid rate. Uh, I guess it's only been about five days because it was about a week, and so we're five, yeah, he was in the hospital for a few more days, went with Alex, because Alex is like, hey, do you have any place to stay in London? Just come with me. So... Yeah, he's staying with her, and they hook up, and then he has that vision uh, where he sees his buddy Jack again, and Jack's like, no, seriously, man, you need to just, you need to end this. It's going to happen soon. You're you're going to kill people. Like, just do us a favor and just end it. And he still isn't listening. Um, he gets himself locked out uh, of the place the next day, of her place. And then, you know, sneaks back. It's a real, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens, um, during his day and you're just kind of waiting and waiting and well, it almost goes on too long cause you're waiting through the day and he's kind of waiting to see if anything's going to happen. And then it cuts off to some other stuff and cuts back to him reading and boom, he just starts screaming wildly and just thrashing about the room. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And then you're like, oh shit, transformation. And this, this is I mean, where the movie. This is, this is why we're here. This is like, oh. this is the, this is the reason why we're talking about the movie. Yeah, this this is like this is Rick Baker's calling card. Um, this moment, this werewolf transformation scene, caught on camera. I mean, you're you're seeing it happen, and some of these techniques, I don't even think people can replicate now because CG is used so much. They've kind of forgotten these techniques. Um, and the, these ways of doing things that it, he was one of the pioneers of. Holy crap, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, watching watching the torso pull apart and kind of the stretch. The elongated knuckles and oh. uh, fingers just stretching, and, the like, the, the mangled... Not mangled, but, like, the molding of the face as it's, like, shaping from what... Like, the jaw jumps forward, the nose pulls out. It's really, really amazing. It feels violent. It feels visceral. And the editing here uh, is actually an amazing type of exercise in uh, showing progression when there may or may not be any. Because every single cutaway, like it's like a tight shot, uh, like you see a transformation thing, slightly wider shot, even big wider shot. Every single one of those cuts, it shows a slight bit of progression that you can believe that... uh, that that shows like how easily he's transforming and how believable all of these effects are. Well, it's it's great because it's a combination of real time effects mixed in with um, you know different layers and different appliances uh, in in different cuts or you know in between different scenes. So when we're seeing sometimes we're seeing hair grow through and they're doing the reverse shot, you know, of, of pulling it through and then reversing it so it looks like it's all growing out. But then there are some where uh, David Naughton's just kind of like shaking and just going through the stuff and screaming so much, you're kind of just paying attention to, oh, wow, he has hair on him now. And in some of those scenes, nothing's actually happening. Like, none of the transformation is actually going on. But because it's edited in so well, they were able to fill it, fill in the gaps with some of those scenes. 
um, to give you a fuller transformation because most of the time there are things going on in each one of those we're watching the face kind of pull you know put not kind of but completely form out we're watching the hand elongate right before our eyes we're watching the torso elongate before our eyes and stuff like that that just makes everything else seem like yes this is all happening right now at once so it's tricking your eye into that it's so great it's like masterful as far as the how everything came together for that sequence um, and I know it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's incredible to see. It's actually very, very good. And, uh, and then, so we, then, so yeah. then we get this like Jaws esque level murder spree. Yeah. Uh, he, he goes from, after from this. He goes after a, a good amount of people. Like he goes after a couple who, you know, they're like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to our friend's dinner party. But we're going to sneak around back and give them a scare. And then they get eaten just completely shredded apart where uh, the guy who's throwing the dinner party comes down and is just drinking a scotch and then just, like, looks down and kind of has this Ugh, look on his face when he finds his buddy's arm. Um, and, you know, then we we cut to... I think he kills a, a couple of homeless people, right? Next? Yeah, he kills, like, three of them. And then the really cool one... It's it's probably like the greatest like sequence in this movie. And it's probably it's a really good than this It's a really good reveal. Like seeing the werewolf, and we see it throughout, you know, a, a few times so far. But this moment of seeing the werewolf as it's stalking this guy through the the London Underground, it's so cool because it, it's a building tension moment of, you know, this guy hears this noise. He's like, "Whoever's there, it's not funny. This isn't this isn't funny." And then. He just is like, oh well, shit. Well, because again, it's it, it it's it's a callback to again when we uh, didn't want to show or reveal our hand too much in the beginning of the episode, where like he's looking at it or he's looking slightly away. There's a great like down angled shot of him just like having run like desperately onto the escalator, like papers flying everywhere. Oh, dude, face plants, face plants right into the escalator, and is is down for like a, a couple of moments, which I really. I like that because it, someone would. If they hit real hard enough, it would knock the wind out of them. And it was cool to see that. But then that reveal of the werewolf just stepping into frame. And it's only slightly. It's only for a moment. You get to see, like, the paw and the face. And you're looking right at it because it's from far away. It's, it's still a wide shot. It's It looks so good. It's such a good, like, scary reveal because it's so far away. It makes you look quicker. It makes you look harder at the thing that you don't want to look at. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so very, very good. It's super cool. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden, after all these people are killed, um, uh, David wakes up and he's in the London Zoo inside of the wolf den. And here um, we have Benny Hill levels of uh, British comedy, like almost yeah. slapsticky. It's it's pretty funny. Like he he ends up climbing out, which he's bashed in the roof to it, which is pretty impressive uh, feat of strength. Um, and then ends up trying to bribe a kid for his balloons, like a little kid, and then just ends up like pretending to be a talking bush, basically. I mean, that's what it looks like, at least what the kid sees is a talking bush. Um, and he ends up just stealing the balloons and running off, and the kid just goes to his mom and is like, a naked American man just stole my balloons amazing comedic moment because it's just so this kid is just so 
straight laced the entire time when he says this to his mom. Like it's it's amazing. Um, and then he he runs by this couple who's sitting on a bench, and her coat is just sitting on the side of it, and just you know, not without missing a beat, just as he's booking it by them, just grabs it, and he's wearing this like woman's coat with balloons. Without, yeah, it, it's it's it's, it's, it's awesome. a very like that long shot of him just like running across the frame to the woman to the woman on the bench just grabbing the coat and then cut away to him at the bus stop on the like it's great it's very very good like that's one of the more endearing moments of the movie I just feel like it, like th- like a moment like that alone in a horror movie that like you have, I feel like this mo- that moment would have been earned more if they treated the rest of the movie a bit more seriously because because we kind of just have like this shruggy like yeah whatever type of moment or type of attitude throughout the entire movie until this transformation scene and then we're right back to it whereas a juxtaposition of two scenes like that would have felt even more alleviating if it was it would have been like serious for like 90% of what we saw before and then just that it's it's a very good moment but i feel like it could have been even better uh if the tone was just right in this movie yeah i mean tonally it is it, it does feel a little off it, it is kind of strange the way it flows all the way through but um yeah i mean at this point we've gotten to where uh he tries to get himself arrested you know when he's yeah, with and this when he's with alex and it, it just it's very strange because the the cops not he just won't arrest him no matter what he's doing and you're kind of like dude you you really should man like this guy is being insane but he's probably like paperwork and you're an american i don't want to deal with that well it's um, more of the fact that uh it, like it, it speaks to me as to the like not the the non-effectiveness of this love story that yeah. we have between between the two of them because She's just kind of a foil for him to not kill himself. Dude, love story? Like, I mean, okay, love story because they say they love each other, but it that fe- to it me... It means nothing. That it's means like- nothing. He He's known her for three days or five days and had sex with her once and is like, I love you, which is a little strange. It's very strange. And then for her to all, like, be in love with him just because she was taking care of him she took care of him and was like oh you're so attractive and then boom she's in love with him and is like yeah stay with me for a while so that that love story was it, it kind of felt shoehorned in as far as um you know but at the same time i think about it and i'm like wait movies in in like the 30s probably did the exact same thing actually i know that a bunch of the ones in the 30s and the 40s were like i've just met you and i love you like well, it's, right, but it doesn't need, like, we could have, like, we had ample time to establish something rather than sure. nothing. But remember, uh, this: we are also talking, you know, it is a horror comedy, so with the comedy in there, some of the comedy might, it, it's very, it could just be very, very subtle, because there's things that I find laugh out loud funny, but there's other stuff that I can look at and just be like, is this poking fun at those older films just in an extremely subtle way? And I think, um you know with a, a director um like John Landis I think yes I think so uh but again it, it, we we can we move along to like his torment as to why he should or should not kill himself and that's culminating into the theater scene which uh I think I think is kind of the 
like it's actually the best type of uh, this confrontation with these apparitions of his guilt from what we can see because it is uh it is so um it's it's actually him facing his guilt because of it's all of his victims and we have this amazing puppetry effect from his friend that he's again like just this like skeletal corpse with like just bits of like darkened blackened flesh hanging off of him it's a puppet but it's so well done the eyes work very well it's such a good it does but uh, the thing effect. is it does not look like a puppet it looks like a person who it, it's very 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 well done um and and for those people who who just use cg i feel like they need to go back and look at films like this and realize that you don't have to you can use practical effects and make them look immaculate i mean it, it's so it's so well done and that scene it, watching him have turned into this ghoul now i mean he is he's just he, he's definitely decayed way faster um over time uh because it's just been a day since the last the last time he saw him and now he's he's nothing uh, anymore and we get the rest of the victims and each one you know want some are more gruesome than other ones and so this scene is actually really funny like there's there's a lot of funny moments that happen in this scene between the characters and how some of them react to this to being dead um some of them are really, you know, hating on him, and some just like uh, the woman who got killed, like makes a couple. But his of... friend, like his friends defending him, like, hey, easy, he's my friend, so I'm yeah, gonna be the and one it's... that convinces him how to kill himself. It's right, fine, and I thought guys, that was, don't worry. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, because he's just like, yeah, they're most of them are trying to convince him to to kill himself and are giving him shit. But yeah, his buddy is just like defending him, but it's still like, no, don't worry, I'm still gonna make him kill himself. Um, yeah, it's it's really really weird. And then he so he transforms again. Well, before before time. that, we before he transforms, we got to talk about that like weird porno movie. Oh yes, we do. Um, there's a very strange porno movie that is in this, which is a parody. Again, hilarious, absolutely hilarious, and it's a parody of a porno. Um, like you know, people are. Well, like you mainly see them just like it's naked people kissing and it culminates in just a man with a mustache without a shirt on just saying hey you're cheating on my that's my wife there you're cheating on me how dare you and then she's like she's i've like, never seen you i've never seen you before in my life and he's like oh i'm sorry and then leaves <laughs> yeah like he just walks in expecting a wife of his to cheat on him. Like it's it's no actual thing. It's so funny. Yeah, and then they have another guy come in and do a bit as well. And it's just it's really cool to that they that they went there to just have this insanely comedic moment and and parody moment at what is about to be the culmination of this film. Yeah, it's uh it, it's it's very very funny and very odd to cap this movie off with. Yeah, what what was the movie called? Something on a Wednesday? Like Oh god, I couldn't even movie remember. It's, movie. it's some great like horrifically bad title. Yeah, it was it's it's amazing. Um but then we get to this final scene, the final transformation and man, it this this definitely ups the brutality a bit. I mean, right away 
you know, he, he tears apart a few people inside of the theater. And the second that the inspector gets there, comes right out of there and just bites his head right off. Um, boom, just right on the ground, just rolls across. And it's just like, all right, well, that's an extremely dark moment. Holy crap. And the werewolf just starts killing a bunch of people. People are crashing their cars. So a lot of people are getting killed that way. It's a lot of, um, a lot of accidents are happening. So people are getting run over by cars and crashing in and getting killed. Um, so there's definitely a massive body count that happens at the end of this. And then he finally gets like cornered in an alley and it just kind of happens. It very um, much does just happen because they just call in the National Guard or somebody. Yeah, like, and then everyone, the police with guns, the the British police with guns is are yeah. finally here. So then everyone, you know, gets him down this alley. Alex just comes in and she's like, no, I'm going to go talk to him and runs through while these guys are holding guns. No one tries to stop her down this alley because they're that's that's how far away they are with their guns and tries to confront David, who's, you know, the full werewolf. And it seems like it's going to work for a second. And then he just goes to attack her. And she's standing there. And they shoot the werewolf from like 100 yards away. Seemingly through her. Yes, seemingly through her without scopes or anything like that. I don't think I'm pretty sure there weren't scopes. And like it, it served only to just have this like one like kind of cool poignant shot of like you know the woman and the beast like trying right. to calm him down and trying like, to tame you know, the beast he couldn't do and, it, it, and, and it couldn't do it yeah and not it's even a, very a woman dark could tame and, like, that beast yeah. and again we we keep running home this like problem with tone here like this ending however unearned it is is very bleak very dark oh dude, this like, whole you know, movie is really dark when you think about it they play it up kind of with with some comedy in it but it's it's like a pitch black comedy yeah but um, it, like it deserves i think i feel like it deserves more dramatic weight and actual it, it does for toss it does for the ending just shrugging this whole thing off it does kind of for the ending because then you know we see that he turns back human right away and then it cuts to the cops running up and they see him and then it cuts to him again and then all of a sudden, this like 1950s and 60s music comes on. That's yeah, just super up type of like upbeat, just like super upbeat. Like, hey, we had a good time, everybody, right? Don't you enjoy the movie? Like, here's the credits. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's very jarring to me, and that's always been the problem that I've had with this film is that I I really liked everywhere they went with it, but I felt the ending was way too abrupt. Like, there was no real resolution i mean it kind of finishes the way it starts it just starts with you know these guys already on their trip like there's no backstory that goes into it further and it just kind of ends with that same way of all right he's dead end of movie it's it's perplexing because we have a lot of great technical prowess here uh to be displayed on this movie uh a lot of skill and a lot of talent and a lot of inspiration really on display from the from the movie like this and i can't like i can't not recommend it for sure like it it's it's almost oh, no, it's, essential it, it's it's amazing like it is definitely one of those films that everyone should everyone needs to see whether you're a horror fan or not i think it's just essential viewing in general mm-hmm. um, it's just it's sometimes it's borderline frustrating with the type of yeah. story that it's telling and the kind of like portrayal that you want it that you want to see uh because I see the beating heart of this movie inside what they're telling me. It's just, it's really, it's, it's projecting a lot of, 
a, lo- a lot of laughs when there doesn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, and it, like it makes me take it just a tiny bit less seriously because of it. Well, I mean, you're kind of supposed to. It is it is a comedy at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I know, I understand. Which and, like again, it's it, it's my it's my problem. It's, it's no, not no, really I don't. I, the I'm not movie's I, problem. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, though. I I get that the abrupt ending was probably just done for comedic effect, just because it's like, all right, main character dead, end of werewolf's dead, movie over. You know. Um, and I, I find it to be I find it to be a bit amusing, but at the same time, like I've gotten drawn in with some really cool stuff in this film. So to then just kind of pull an ending like that, I can look at it from that perspective of oh okay, it's done in a comedic way. But when I see it happen after I've gone through the film again, I'm like nah, man, no. I want a little more of a resolution. I get it though, and it does help to make it iconic and keep it that way. So, um. Yeah, it's a it's a huge recommend for me, uh, just for the effects alone. Yeah, you have to see it if you haven't seen it. Definitely check it out. Oh, but please avoid American Werewolf in Paris. Um, yes, like the plague. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, it's not good. Like it's not at all good. I've been told. Oh, you know, it's really bad CG, and that's I think the biggest issue is that you know it's it was made in 1997 where CG was starting to be used and they went nuts with it they were using it throughout the entire movie and it really did a disservice to this one especially because it won an academy award for best special effects um why would why would you do that it's like a yeah, slap not really in the face. not exactly holding up the legacy here yeah make a sequel if you want to fine american werewolf in paris they were gonna call it american werewolf in paris when they had an issue with uh getting it made in london i think um and then they got what they wanted. So uh, I forget the exact story behind it, but I know that there was something about changing the title if if they had to as a as a way to you know negotiate. Um, but yeah, having a sequel would only make sense, but not not in the way they did it. Um, but if they do visit American Werewolf again, please go all practical effects. Please, please, please. They won't, but please consider it. But yeah, this is a solid recommend for me. Uh, so yeah, what do we have on the docket for next week, Steve? Well, next week we're doing something very new, very exciting. It's called A Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski. It's the brand new, brand new horror film that's been taking the world by storm, making a making in a, a 50 plus million at the box office and yeah, man. I- a lot of critical acclaim that blows my mind because you know they had estimates at 20 million on this film and it does 50 and it's like yeah never underestimate um horror films and never underestimate original horror films yeah it's uh it's incredible we i look forward to uh seeing what all the hype is about and if it lives up to it so uh until next time take a look and take a gander at our itunes pages or wherever you listen to your uh podcast please feel free to give us a review it really helps out the show get in contact with us we're on twitter we're on facebook oh the Horrorcast at gmail.com that's the email place that you can go and write us little letters and stuff that we always love to hear from you guys so until next time i'm steve allman uh i've been rob holmes and we will catch you next time thanks guys see everybody look at me damien it's all for you it is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk here